God wants you to experience the life that He designed. We can't allow life to kill the dream that we dream. Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. You will look back on your life and you'll say, man, life is good. The Word of God brings the abundant life into focus and within your grasp. As you listen, open your heart and discover life. Well, God's good, amen? That's a good thing to say. I want to receive the offering at this time. If the ushers could please help me. Uh, if you're giving cash or would like a receipt, you need an offering envelope, just slip your hand up. One of these ushers will give you an offering envelope. If you make it out a check, you can make it out to Destiny Church. Praise God. Thank, thank you for your faithfulness each week in giving. We're a giving church, and we... Um, we believe in blessing people and and uh, having a and believe in God's abundance. Amen. So let's take our offering in our hand. Let's pray over it. Lord, so grateful that we can give today. Thank you, Lord, that you've been good to us and we're thankful for it. We don't take it for granted, Lord, but we're so grateful for what you've done. You sustained us and brought us to this point, And we believe, Lord, that what you started in us, that you will not relent until you finish it. We're just so grateful for that promise of your word. We thank you for this gift now that we are giving to you. Believe that you multiply the seed that we sow today. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead, men. You can pass the offering buckets. Just have a couple announcements as the buckets are going around. And that is there's a ladies' tea. It's December 7th, and tickets are $10 each. Linda, raise your hand right here in the front row. If you want a ticket, you can see her. Um, also, there's a lumberman's a lum, men's lumberjack breakfast. Wow, that was a mouthful. And that's Saturday, December 14th. And we're going to spit. All the men are going to come together and spit and lift heavy, heavy objects. Because that's what we do. Men do that. No, there's some competition things that we're going to be doing. It's going to be great. And so that is also $10. Uh, so that's uh, December 14th, a week later, on a, on a uh, Saturday here at the church. It starts at um, 9 o'clock in the morning. And then um, if you would like more information, if you're visiting today, would like more information about the church, after the service, you go out the door and take a right. There's a couple tables there. There'll be a staff member there that can answer any questions that you might have. And so please uh, join us there. And if you'd like to get our emails or texts throughout the week, give information out. Uh, we need your information. And um, I, I think there's, you even got a card or there's a card to the left. So you go right if you want more information, left if you want to give us information. Okay, you got that? It's not that hard. Right if you want more information, left if you want to give us more information. And then please pick up your children by noon. Are you glad you're here this morning? Well, tell somebody, just look at somebody and just say yes. Not just say, just say it again. And this time when you say it, nod up and down and say yes. yes. It, isn't that a positive word? I mean, turn to your other person, your second choice, and say no. Isn't that a downer? I mean, no. Can you help me? No. Could you give this a no? Could you? No. But isn't yes a better word? See, you're try you think I'm going to feed you something now, don't you? But yes is a good word, right? I mean, I, I, I really need some help here. Yes, what can I do? I remember my wife and I, we were doing something. I can't remember. We were planning some event. And we're not great event planners. And so Trish goes, I think we need to call somebody and ask us to help. Ask if they'd help us. And so I think she called a couple people and they said no. 
That's such a downer. We walk around, well, why, why no? Why, why couldn't it be maybe? Well, I'll pray about it or something, you know? Uh, but it was no. And so then she asked this other person, she goes, what can I do? Yes, what can I do? I go, isn't that great to hear? Yes, what can I do to help? It was just awesome to hear that. It's like that person, since that day, that person is way up on my list. And those other people are way down here. <laughs> Amen? Yes is a great word. Now, sometimes you have to say no. You know that, right? I mean, you got to say no. Would you jump off a cliff? No, I'm not doing that. Would you uh, pay off all my bills? No, you got yourself in that mess. Pay off your own bills. I mean, I mean sometimes you have to say no. But yes is a really good word. And, uh, and so I want to talk to you this morning about, now get this title. It probably doesn't make sense, but the title is, Are You Willing or Are You Chilling? Now, chilling probably isn't the right word, to, but it rhymes with willing. <laughs> so that's basically why I picked it. But it kind of says what I want to say. Are you willing or are you chilling? Now, you know, how many know chilling? My, my son and I were talking about this yesterday and about chilling. He goes, you, do you know what the word means? And some, nowadays, how many know you got to check out what the word means? Because we had things that we, we said words that meant one thing. Now it means something else. It, means, and it always means something dirty or something. Like my kids will say, that's a bad word now. How can that be a bad word? That's a good word. But chilling, so I had to check out what chilling meant. Chilling just means kind of being inactive and not doing anything, I think, right? Kind of just laid back, kicked back, just not doing anything. And so the, the, the title is, Are You Willing or Are You Chilling? And, uh, and so I, I don't know if you notice this or not, but willingness is huge to God. It's gigantic. Willingness is huge to God. A lot of people don't realize how, how huge willingness is. Last week, we talked about the sower and the seed. We talked about how uh, Jesus used this parable to describe what the effect that, that scriptures or preaching has upon people's life. And it has different effects upon different people. You can have the same word, the same good word, the same good seed, but if it falls into different environments, it has different effects. And so he described four, he used four different environments. One he called the wayside. The second one he called shallow, shallow ground. The third he called thorny ground. The last one he called good ground. And I won't take time to read it or, you know, go over it again. But um, so the, the wayside is kind of like a calloused heart. Somebody that is fully invested in their own opinion, their own way, and they don't listen. They won't listen. They reject scripture. That's a calloused heart. The second one is a shallow heart which is where the word doesn't convert the person's soul. In other words, they're not convinced. They receive it, they're, they're joyful about it. Wow, that's awesome. But then how many know that the Bible says that persecution or affliction comes because of the word, and by and by they are offended. So, they, so in other words, it says through faith and patience or perseverance, we inherit the promises. It doesn't say through faith alone. It says faith and patience or perseverance. Perseverance means to continue to do something in spite of difficulty or trouble, to persist. And I'm telling this right now, if you want God's greater blessings, you're going to have to get a hold of persistence. If you don't get a hold of persistence, you aren't going to have God's greater blessings. And that's the shallow ground reflects someone who is, is not added perseverance or persistence to their walk with God. In other words, I'm, I'm invested in this. I'm not turning back. You know, years ago, I was involved in what they call the faith movement. 
And there's a couple of verses that I didn't like in the Bible. One was uh, where, where the, three, the, four, it was the three Hebrew children, the fiery furnace, where they said, we're not bowing, king, to your, to your statue. We're not bowing. And the king was going, I'm going to throw you in the fiery furnace. We're not bowing. And our God will deliver us. But then they said this, but even if he doesn't, we're still not bowing. And I never liked that phrase, even if he doesn't, we're not bowing, because I wanted to be positive. Yes, God will deliver us. He's going to rescue us. He's going to come and save us. But after a while, I discovered that that phrase is really powerful. It doesn't matter if, if God doesn't deliver or if he does deliver us. We're not bowing. We're not bowing to your statue. And that is the persistence that a person has to have around spiritual things, about, around the truth of God's word, that is the persistence that they have to have, the continuance that they have to have to bring things to pass. Otherwise, you're just shallow ground. You're excited. You know, you get, ooh, I got this word. Wow, it's awesome. But then when, con- when contrary winds come your way, you give up on the word and become offended. You say, well, that stuff doesn't work. I tried that. I heard a word, and it seemed like all hell broke out. And I'm telling you right now, it doesn't work. That's why you have to learn persistence, persevere. So that's the stony ground. The thorny ground is a divided or distracted heart. You, you have a, a heart for the things of God, but you have so many other interests that pull you in different directions. Remember the word distraction, what it means? It's, the, it's a word that the French use in execution they tied a, a victim, uh, each limb to another, each a horse, four horses, all facing different directions, and each limb had tied to a horse, and then they went giddy up, and they got pulled apart. It was a terrible ex- way of being executed, but it's called, that's where the word distraction comes from. It means to be pulled apart in different directions, have a divided heart. That is uh, the thorny ground. And then the last one is the good ground. The good ground is basically to be focused, to make this a priority, uh, uh, Scripture a priority, but also I'm going to add to that having a willing heart. Having a willing heart. Because how many know that it's so fun to be around somebody who's willing, happy? It's, it, we, have, have you ever had this happen where you tell your kids to do something? Like, you've got to pick up your toys before you get to eat or before you get a treat or whatever you say that. Does anybody ever say that? you got to pick them up. And so then they do this. They pick them up and they go. How, how many have ever seen that? It's like, arr, arr. you know, you're just like, arr. you're getting on my last nerve. You know, that's, what, that's how you feel, you know. You want to hear a funny story? So this is from my past. I'll tell you a story about myself. So I was kind of a rebellious brat. I wasn't even a kid, kind of a, it wasn't cute. It wasn't, my rebellion wasn't cute at all. It was defiant rebellion. And uh, so I was in fifth grade. It started way back before that even. And so we, we always get lunch, uh, a milk break during school. Do you guys ever remember that? We got a, a cart. Do they still do that? I thought maybe the uh, health food people said that's not good for you because they always say milk's not good for you. But anyway, so, but, uh, so I, I, we would get a milk carton during school. And so, uh, so what I did was I drank my milk carton at my seat. And so I had this teacher named Mr. Pilger. I still remember, fifth grade, Mr. Pilger. And, uh, and so I went up to the front of the row, front of the uh, desk to get, because you had to put the milk carton back in a steel case. And so I just kind of did a dunk shot. And I threw it and, you know, I sunk it right in the metal case. And he saw me do it. He said, go get it and put, go back to your seat, walk up and put it in the cart, like, case that you're supposed to. 
So I, I go, I get it, walk back to my seat, come back, and I got about three feet away and I threw it because I, I, was, I was defiant. I, I'm not going to put it back in there like he said because I just didn't want to give in. And so I went about three feet and threw it. He goes, so then he goes, give me five or six of those milk cartons. And uh, so I got him five or six of milk cartons. He cut a hole in each milk carton, strung a string and made a bracelet or a necklace and hung it around my neck. And there was milk still. How, how many would have happened? He would get arrested today, but he hung that around my neck. This is a true story. And then so some of the milk was still there, so it was dripping on my shirt. So I had stains all over my shirt. And so every time a class would go by, you know, sometimes a teacher would take a class by, he would stop. He'd say, Steve, come here. And he'd say, hey, wait, look at the necklace I made for him. And I'd be standing there like this. <laughs> trying to humiliate me. And, uh, but I wasn't willing I wasn't willing, and God loves a willing heart. A willing heart is somebody who's eager to do it, and he does it with all of his heart. Eager to do it. Eager to receive the word. Eager to act upon it. I remember years ago, I heard this preacher, and he was a pastor, and he had come from a broken home, and he, um, all he ever wanted in his life was he wanted to have a family. He wanted a wife and kids. He wanted us to be a family. That's all he ever wanted. And so for 12 years, he pastored, uh, I think it was three different churches. And one day, God spoke to him and said, I didn't call you to be a pastor. I called you to be a traveling minister. And, he, and he, so he kind of resisted that. It's kind of a long story, but I want to get to the point. And so he finally yielded, and he went out on the road and started preaching from church to church. And, uh, and when he did that, uh, all of a sudden, his finances dried up. His, uh, his car, he had to sell it for junk. His shoes wore out. His suit, back then, all preachers wore suits every, every service. His suits wore out. He had, you know, they had in the, in the back there, it started to shine, you know, get shiny. And the shoes had holes in the bottom of them. And, I mean, it was getting pretty bad. And then to top it all off, his wife called and said, I'm on the last three cans of beans that I've been feeding the kids, and we got no money. We've used up our little savings. We've borrowed against the life insurance policy. There's nowhere else to go. What am I going to do? And so he goes, he, he's got before the Lord. He started praying. And he said, Lord, you know, I obeyed you. I told you I did what you told me to do. I went out on the field. And he said, I've sold my car for junk. I'm, dry, I'm riding around in the Greyhound bus now from town to town. Nothing's working out. And you said that if we're willing and obedient, we'll eat the good of the land. I'm certainly not eating the good of the land. And so after a little while, the Lord spoke to him and said, yeah, you're, you were obedient, but you were never willing. It's a huge point. You were obedient, but you weren't willing. Your heart wasn't in it. And he goes, that's right, my heart wasn't in it. I, re I resented the fact that I had to leave my family and go out on the road. I resented that fact. I was not willing. And the Lord said, if you get willing, I'll show you what to do. And so he said, okay. He said, it didn't take me long to get willing. I just had to do a little bit of a heart adjustment. I got willing real fast. And he said, the Lord sh showed me how to pray about money. And so he says, since that time, I've always prayed about money. If I submitted my will to the will of God and been willing to do the right thing. Willingness is huge to God. God loves people that have a willing heart, not just people who obey. How many see what I'm saying? It, when we do his work, we, we, he wants there to be a we, willingness or eagerness. That's where the yes comes from. Yes, Lord, I'll gladly do it. I remember there's a story about Abraham. This blows my mind. It's like a year 
before Abraham, I think he's like almost 100 years old. Get that, almost 100. And the Lord comes to visit him. And I think it says that three men came or something. I think they says there were angels in the Bible. And so when, 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 when Abraham saw them, it says he rose up quickly and he ran to meet them. Now this guy's almost 100 years old. He ran to meet them. And then they said, we're going to go down. I think they were going to go down to Sodom and check it out. And, and, the Lord, and, and Abraham said, let me fix you something to eat. And it says he ran over here and he told his servants, do this. And he ran over here. I see this old man running, running around to serve the Lord when the Lord had come. It was such an incredible picture of somebody who's, who was not only obedient, but had a willing heart. He was so eager to do it. And that's what God wants out of each one of us. You know, it's interesting. There's a verse. So that's Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19. It says, if you have a will, willing attitude and obey, then you'll again eat the good fruit of the land or crops of the land. If, you have, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good crops of the land. You'll have the best. And so sometimes we, we might obey, but we don't have a willingness to do it. And so there's no joy. There's no uh, gratefulness in it. There's no... Uh, there's no positive, uh, like, yay, God, yes, I'll be glad to do that. There's none of that. It's kind of like, well, like offering time comes around, eh, you know, here we go again. But having an attitude of gratitude is so huge. I remember years ago I heard this saying. It says, the attitude that you fly by, do you know, anybody know the rest? Determines the altitude you fly to. The attitude you fly by determines the altitude you fly to. Attitude is so huge. And willingness is a, having a good attitude. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, look at this verse. In verse 12, I remember one time, you know, I was having, like, I, I wasn't getting from my, I wasn't getting from my finances, you know, like when I'd give, I, wouldn't, I wasn't getting the results that I wanted to get. I mean, I'd get some uh, benefit, but it seemed like it was, was, wasn't happening like, the Bible says it should happen. So I started reading chapter 8 and 9 of 2 Corinthians, which is two chapters talking specifically about giving, offerings. If you want to know what the Bible says about it, read chapters 8 and 9 of 2 Corinthians. And I was reading through there, I was reading through different translations, and I came to this one translation. Look at this, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 12. It says, for if the willingness is there, if the willingness is there, let me say that one more time. If the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable. If the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable. Or you could say it like this, the gift is accepted. If the willingness is not there, the gift is not accepted. Think about that, it's huge. If the, that's why the Bible in the ninth chapter says God loves a cheerful giver. Well, if you don't have a willing heart, come on, you're going to be cheerful about this event? There's no way. You're going to be like, eh, here, take it. I don't want to be under a curse, so take the money. You know, that's how you have that kind of an attitude. But the Bible says if there's a willingness, if there's an eagerness, actually 2 Corinthians 8, 12 in the Good News translation says, if you are eager to give, God will accept your gift on the basis of what you have to give and not on the basis of what you don't have. And so it's so important. See, that was the issue with Cain and Abel. We won't take time to look at that verse. Cain and Abel, people, you know, they wonder, well, what was the reason why God had regard for Abel's offering 
and had no regard for Cain's offering. And if you read the wording, especially if you look at another translations, it's very clear. It says after some time or after it's almost like when he got around to it, Cain gathered some things together he had grown and he brought it as an offering to the Lord. In other words, when he got around to it, you could tell his attitude. You know, like when you don't want to do something, it's the last thing you do on your list, right? It's like, you, you, you know, you, you, you don't want to do it, so you just kind of linger and you hold back and you kind of drag your feet and you try to figure out a way you can get around it and how can I not do this? You know, that's kind of how your attitude is. And so, and that's how your actions are and it reflects your attitude. I mean, well, that's true. And that's what Cain, it says, after some time or in the process of time, when he got around to it, he brought an offering to the Lord. But Abel, it says, brought, brought an offering. He brought the fattest parts of some animals from his flock. They were the first animals born to their mothers. So the very first time he had an animal born, he brought that as an offering to the Lord. He very, brought the very first thing. He was the first thing he did is he brought that offering because he was eager to do it. And it said God had regard for Abel's offering, but he had no regard for Cain's offering. And it all had to do with attitude. It all had to do with willingness. How many can see what I'm saying? See, willingness is the subject of a lot of Jesus' parables. You remember the parable of the great feast? You know, they invited people to come, but they didn't want to come. They made excuses. I got, I married the wife. I bought some property. I've got a cow now. So I got this. I always have something. You know, I got this big cow. I got to check that cow out. And so it's always some excuse I can't come. And so the Bible says, well, go get everybody. You know, he just said, go out there and get anybody who will come. Just invite them to come. Find somebody who will say. Let me try it one more time. Find somebody who will say. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I'll come. Yeah, I'll come. I'll come right away. Free food? I'll come. (laughs) Right? Amen. Yeah, somebody who will say yes. And so, and and he was angry with those that said no. And so it's so important for us. Now, as I I bring this message to a close, I want you to look at a story in the Old Testament that stood out to me that I want you to read. How many ever read the book of Judges? Maybe I want to ask you that question. The book of Judges. Well, it's kind of a discouraging book. The book of Judges lasted for, it was a period of time of 365 years in the Bible, the book of Judges. And it was when Judges ruled Israel. And it was this, they had this cycle of, after Joshua died and before they had King Saul, the children of Israel went through this cycle where they would go serve you know, foreign gods, they get into idol worship, then they would get into trouble. They'd fall into, under the control of their enemies. Then they would cry out to the, they'd repent, cry out to God. God would raise up a deliverer. He would deliver them from their enemies. They would live in peace and love the Lord as long as that judge was alive. As soon as that judge died, they'd go back to serving idols. It was really a frustrating time. And it lasted for 365 years. And so this is during one of the cycles of their backsliding, uh, you know, God raising up a deliverer. And it's a story of Deborah in the Bible. How many have read the story of Deborah in the Bible? She, is, she was a woman who was actually a, one of the judges in Israel. That means she would, people would come to her. She was also called a prophet, 
I guess it's prophetess. And so people would come to her and they would, she would decide matters, uh, disputes between people. And they trusted her judgment. And then also, judges in the Bible, in the book of Judges, they were not just judges in the traditional sense, but they were also spiritual leaders. And they were also great military uh, people. And so she would come, she would listen to all these people. They would come with their disputes. And, and Israel at this time was living under the bondage of a king of Canaan. And this guy had 900 iron chariots. And they enslaved Israel for 20 years. And it's a terrible situation for the children of Israel. Horrible. And, um, and so, in fact, it talks about how they couldn't travel on the roads because the Canaanites would, would harass them. They had to leave the villages they were living in because the Canaanites would harass them. It was horrible. They took all their weapons away. It was hard just to irk out an existence. So you can imagine when they came to Deborah to, to settle a dispute, you could imagine they were hearing a lot of complaints. She was hearing a lot of complaints about what was going on. Man, these Canaanites, you know what they did now? And they're going on and on about how rough their lives were. And, and so one day, Deborah receives a message from the Lord. And the message is this. Tell Barak, to raise up an army of 10,000 men and go out and fight this, the Canaanites. Go out and fight them. You're going to defeat them. And so he raises up this army. Well, first of all, he says, Deborah, I'll go. you got to come with me. And she goes, well, you know, she, I mean, she didn't fight, but you got to go with me as, as a kind of a spiritual support. And she goes, well, if I go with you, I'm going to get some of the glory. You're not going to get it all. He goes, I don't care. you got to come with me. So Deborah goes with this guy. Barak. And, and so they go out to the battle, and it's just like, and then she tells him, now attack. The Lord's giving you this victory. And so he attacks, and he destroys the Canaanites and, and, and gets a great victory over, over them. And so here's the interesting thing about this. In chapter five, chapter five, Deborah composes this song. This song is really uh, enlightening. I want you to see it. In, in James, Judges chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, it says, Then sang Deborah and Barak, the son of Abinomo. I, I pronounced it before. I Abinom. <laughs> On that day, saying, For that the, listen to this. This, this, is the first song, this is the first line of the song. For that the leaders took the lead in Israel, for that the people offered themselves willingly Praise ye Jehovah. Praise ye God. Now listen to those two things. The leaders took the lead in Israel and the people offered themselves willingly. See, that, that is a, a, a winning combination when leaders take the lead. The thing about leaders is that leaders are not critical little complainers and whiners and grumblers. Preach, Steve. I believe I will. So leaders are not critical little complainers, whiners, and grumblers. Now, I'm not saying that they can't whine, complain, and grumble. It's just that when they are whining, complaining, and grumbling, they're not being a leader. Boy, I think I should say that again. That was a really good point. When a leader whines, complains, and grumbles, he's not being a leader, or she's not being a leader. Amen. And so when the Bible says here, the leaders in Israel took the lead. They, the leaders decided, you know what? 
I'm not going to sit around here and complain about the Canaanites any longer. I'm going to do something about this mess. That is a true leader. And so that, that's true about our own lives, is that we can say, I'm done whining and complaining about this situation. I'm going to take action. When you decide that, that means you're a leader. If you just sit back and say, you know, the government's going to hell in a handbasket. Uh, this party's taking over. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, this recession's probably going to happen. Uh, this is going to happen then. Uh, that's gonna, the Russians are coming. Uh, the Russians don't get us. The terrorists are going to get us. The terrorists don't get us. The Chinese are coming. Uh, the Chinese are coming. I heard somebody had a prophecy. The Chinese invaded us. Come on. That is not a leader. That is a whiner, complainer, a is you, anybody here named Debbie? I'm going to say, don't raise your hand, but I was going to say, that's a Debbie Downer. <laughs> now, if your name's Debbie, it doesn't mean that you're a downer, but I mean, just saying. Right? It just rhymes with Debbie, Downer and Debbie. You think that's bad? You know, you know what I always hate? When they say, God made them Adam and Eve and not Adam and Steve. <laughs> Can you pick somebody else's name to say Adam and Steve? <laughs> so don't feel bad. Right? And so a leader doesn't just complain. And if he is complaining or she is complaining, she's not, that's not an act of leadership. A leader takes action. A leader is an action figure. Amen? It's, you know, it's, it's actually kind of a small person that just sits and complains about their situation and, and, and lives subject to their environment or is in bondage to their circumstances. And so here what it says is that the leaders took the lead. In other words, they decided, I'm going to lead. I'm going to lead us out of this situation. I'm not going to sit here any longer. I'm going to take action. And so Deborah, she starts out by saying, this great victory, and it was an awesome victory. It lasted for, I think it was 20 years or 40, no, 40 years. I think it, 40 years after this victory, they lived in peace. It was a great victory. And so it started with the leaders going, we are not taking this anymore. They said that. We, okay, I'm saying it, but we said it. They said it. We're not taking this anymore. We are going to take action. This is not supposed to be this way. And so the leaders, instead of whining and complaining, the leaders decided, I'm going to take action. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? In other words, they said yes. I'm going to work that yes thing in this whole sermon. You're going to hear yes a lot. I mean, don't you want to hear yes from God? God, I, I got some, I have a problem here. Could you help me? You don't want him to look down and say, no, no. No, I'm busy right now. I mean, I'm not helping you. You're not that important. You don't want to hear that, right? You want to hear yes. And the Bible says all the promises of God are what? Yes, yes and amen. Yes, God says yes. The answer is what? Yes. <laughs> You go, I got this problem, and I'm going to talk to God about it. What's the answer? Yes. yes. That's good. That's good news, right? And I'll work that into the sermon several times. I'm almost done, okay? So the leaders took the lead, but here's the other thing. And the people offered themselves willingly. That is an explosive formula. That is a formula that defeated an army that had 900 chariots of iron. That is an explosive. The leaders took the lead and the people offered themselves willingly. Amen. 
And you can always tell when something amazing is about to happen because leaders aren't complaining, but leaders are taking the lead and people are offering themselves willingly. That doesn't mean they just do everything, but they say, how can I help? What can I do? When you see that combination, something explosive is about to happen. Amen. Preach, Steve. I believe I will. So then if you go down to verses 3 and 5, what he does is, we won't take time to read all this, but he addresses the enemy. This is powerful. He addresses the enemy kings and the enemy princes. And the theme is praising God for what he has done in the past to deliver Israel. He he reminds these, these kings that God showed up in the past. God showed up and God did great things in the past. And they talked, the part of the song is the works of God. God, that's why I like when we sing these songs, it says, he split the sea so I could walk right through it. (laughs) You say, well, that's talking about Israel. Yeah, but I got grafted in and I partake of the fatness and the oil of the olive tree. So all those things that God did for Israel, God will do for me. Amen. So that's what she goes. He goes, I just want to tell you, kings and you princes, I want to give you a little notice right now that God split the Red Sea for us. God showed up for us. God did mighty things for us. Excuse me for getting excited. Amen. So that was part of the song she sang. She goes, well, the leader, I don't know how the song went, but the leaders lead in Israel and the people offer themselves willingly. Da-da-da-da. And then you kings listen to me. God showed up in the Red Sea. You can see why they don't have me sing, but I'm thinking, amen. And so there was, a, she's addressing the kings that were coming against them. And then in verses Six through eight, Judges five, six through eight. She describes the bondage they were living under. She says the highways were unoccupied. Travelers walked through byways. The villages were abandoned. No government was left in Israel and the people had no weapons. That's a pretty sad situation. They were totally uh, victims of their oppressors and they couldn't do anything about it. So it was a terrible situation. But when the leaders led, and the people offered themselves willingly, something powerful happened. And then again in verse 9, she praises the leaders and the people who offered themselves willingly. And then again she says, praise God. Praise God. There were some leaders that had a backbone and stood up, and there were some people that were willing to offer themselves. And then she rehearses the victory that takes place and where the Lord, and that the Lord is to be praised. And so then, this is what, here's an interesting part of the thing, is verses 16, 17, and 23, she calls out the tribes of Israel that refused to fight. She goes, Reuben, where were you? Can you imagine going to church and, and they're having a praise time? Woo, glory be to God. And they're saying, Zebulun, thank you for stepping up. Uh, uh, Benjamin, thank you for stepping up. They're calling out ones that stepped up. They fought, and then they go, Reuben, where were you? It's like, <laughs> and he starts calling up tribes. He goes, where were you? We were out there fighting to deliver the whole nation. Where were you? Well, I, I was, uh, it's, it says that one of them were, was listening to the flutes 
play by the sheep. You're there listening to the flutes play by the sheep. Come on. We're out there fighting, defeating the enemy, and you were listening to the flute by the sheep. And then he goes, Dan, where were you, Dan? Dan, where were you? Dan the man, you weren't anywhere to be seen. You were hanging out by the ships. That's where you were, hanging out there polishing your ship. Well, we're out there kicking Canaan back ends, and you were out there by the ship. How'd you like to go to that church service? That'd be ugly. You're sitting there going, then he goes, where were you, Neptali? Where were you? You know, this goes to the tribes that didn't show up. He, and, he, and he kind of describes their excuses. What, what was their answer? No. Let's say it again. What was their answer? No. no, we ain't coming. No, we ain't coming. And Benjamin, yeah, we're coming. Zebulun, uh, 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 what was it? Huh? Zebulun. Where were Zebulun? How about you? Yeah, we're coming. We're coming. You got any weapons? No, they took all our weapons. We're coming anyway. We'll, we'll bite them. <laughs> We'll, we'll bite them. We'll do something. <laughs> Amen. They were willing. They were willing. You know what? My son gave me this quote. Let's see if I find it here. Here it is. Listen to this. A personal victory becomes a corporate blessing. John Cornamone. He said he got it from somebody. We won't, but, we, but he, I got it the second time, so... I, I only give it, you get it from the first person, then you got to tell who said it. But once it goes to the second person, you don't tell it anymore. <laughs> a personal victory becomes a corporate blessing. They stepped up. These guys stepped up and it brought deliverance to that whole nation. Amen? So here's what I'm saying as I close and as the worship team comes. And it was interesting that the way the story kind of, the way the song kind of ends did you guys get anything out of this? The way the story kind of ends is it's, it's about the commander of the, of the Canaanite army. He gets off his chariot, starts running. I don't know why they did that, but he did. He got off his iron chariot, starts running. And so as he's running, as he's running, the, uh, he runs into this tent of this lady named Jehul, or something like that. And, uh, and so she goes, come in here and hide. Now, Jeru, her family had made an alliance with the Canaanites, but she was actually related to uh, Moses. And so she was like, yeah, we made an alliance with Canaan, but I'm not with them. So she goes, come on in here. So she gets him in there. He's all tired from running and fighting. And so she lays him down, and she puts a blanket over him, some translations say a rug, puts a blanket over This is a little bit, maybe you need to cover the kids' ears, but uh, she puts a blanket over them, and she gives them milk. She goes, I want some water. She gives them milk to kind of soothe him and some curds to make his stomach a little bit soothing, kind of soothes him. He lays down, and he goes to sleep. Then she t- takes a, pen, a tent stake. This is, it gets ugly. Tent stake. While he's sound asleep, she goes over there with a hammer and she nails that through his temples, through his temples, and kills him. So she kills this. Two women brought tremendous victory that day, but she was willing. When 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 the call went out, will you help us here? She said, yes. "You bet it. I'll do it. I'll help." 
And she wasn't even a part of the situation, but she goes, I'll help. Isn't that powerful? And so what God is telling us here in this message is God is telling us that he wants us to be willing. Let's all stand together. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. I want to, when I was, uh, listen, listen to this a minute. When we were worshiping today, uh, God spoke to me. And I, I feel like this morning that there's some people here that you are in a lot of turmoil. A lot of turmoil. Uh, the Lord gave me this verse out of Isaiah where it's, while I was standing here, he said, uh, he said, behold thou tempest and, and troubled and not comforted. And I felt like God was saying there's some people here that are really t in turmoil. I don't mean that you, I mean everybody, you probably have a turmoil, you know, every day you come to go anywhere, you know, a little bit of turmoil. But I mean, I'm talking about some serious turmoil. And, uh, and you're not comforted. You're having trouble being comforted in it. Let's bow our heads just for a moment. I want to just make sure I'm talking to the right group here. If that's you, just raise your hand so I can see you. Can I see your hand? God bless you guys for being honest. God spoke to me, gave me a word for you. He said, I'm coming to establish you. I am coming to strengthen you. But not only that, but I'm coming to arrange and set in order those things in your life that's bringing such turmoil. I'm, bringing, I'm coming to set in order those things. And you'll be amazed in the days ahead what I will do in your life, saith God. Amen. Just take hold of that. The other thing that God spoke to me, and he said that, there's some people here that have had, and this, this probably is a, you could probably say this almost any time, but I, I believe God's put his finger on this. There's some people here that God has, that, that you have been going through for a long period of time, have been suffering under some type of bondage, some type of issue that doesn't want to seem to resolve itself. And you've been suffering under it for a long time. I saw that really clearly. And I believe that God is going to slay that thing. I believe that God's going to slay that thing. He's going to bring an end to that thing. He's going to cause that thing not to have life. That thing not to have life in your life any longer. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Just lay your hand on the person next to you right now. Let's just pray together as a group before we sing this song. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Even if you didn't raise your hand, just lay your hand on somebody. Lord, we just pray right now for our brothers and our sisters here, Lord. We just thank you, God. We just thank you, God, that you are bringing an end, that you are bringing, you are establishing them. You are uh, establishing them at this time, Lord, and you are setting in order those things that are dis out, of, out of order, that are in disarray in their life. You are setting that in, in order to this morning, right now, Lord. I pray over these situations, God, that have existed for a long time. And right now, we just pray, God, that you're, the sword of the Spirit of God would come and slay that thing right now in the name of Jesus and cut the life of that thing off. Cut the life of that thing off. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. 
that your people could know freedom. Hallelujah. That your people could know freedom in life and life more abundantly. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Lord, there, there, there's coming an end to it, Lord. We declare it in this room. There's coming an end to that thing, that oppressive thing, that oppressive lie, that oppressive thing that has risen up. There's coming an end to it, and we declare it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The torment will end. The torment ends today. The torment ends today. The confusion ends today. Hallelujah. Now just thank God like, like you, it, it all got resolved right now. Just thank God right now like it all got resolved. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, God. Praise God. God's good. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. I just think we should praise God just a couple more minutes. Can we just do that? Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. I'm going to help you. This next thing I'm going to say to you might hurt a little bit, but this is what the Lord just said to me. Oh, me and my big mouth. Turn to your neighbor and say, oh, you and me, oh, me and my big mouth. Just say that. Oh, me and my big mouth. Do you know that your mouth causes you a lot of problems? And what I mean by that is you curse situations that you should bless. You should bless your life, not curse your life. You should bless your husband, not curse your husband. You should bless your wife, not curse your wife. Bless your kids, not curse your kids. Bless your finances, not curse your finances. You should bless the situations in your life, not curse them. When you speak against them constantly saying, this is just a horrible situation, this is un unredeemable, this can't be fixed, this is unfixable, stop that. I just heard from God. He said, stop it. Just helping you out this morning. How many glad to hear that news? Just stop it. It says his praise should continually be in our mouths. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't deal with situations, but you, I'm talking about this random moaning and complaining and just whining and uh, criticizing and just constantly, constantly. You got to stop. 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 And let his praise continually be in my mouth. If you do say something critical, say 10 things positive. Cancel that out. Amen. Praise God. Speak, Steve. I believe I will. So sometimes, you know, you can start a process of deliverance, but you can cut the process off by not quiet, but by not rehelping God, by responding to God, but just responding to your fear, frustration, your anger, all, the, all your disappointment, your lack of hope, you respond that way instead of responding in faith. Amen? Because what happens is, you know, the Bible talks about the tongue being like a rudder of a ship. It says a great ship. Great ships don't go shoo. Ski boats do. Ski boats turn on a dime, but great ships don't turn on a dime. They turn slowly. 
they turn, if you got the rudder pointed in a certain direction, it starts to slowly turn. But then you start getting negative, critical. <laughs> so your ship is going like this through life. You know, it's like, so at some point, you've got to say, no, no, this is, I'm committed to this. I'm going to praise God in the middle of this situation. I'm going to praise God in spite of this situation. And that thing will start to turn. I believe something happened this morning. I really believe that. Do you have a song we could sing? Okay, go for it.
stripped away sing it again then you stepped oh then you stepped into my grave laughing at the guilt and shame and all my fear was stripped away now i stand and sing i am washed by the
Well, let's lift our hands up. Let's just thank him right now. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. We just thank you today. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Just say, say this to the Lord. Say, Lord, I'm willing. Say, Lord, I say yes to you. Say it one more time. Lord, I'm willing. Lord, I say yes to you. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, we want you to be prayed for if you need prayer this morning. The ushers, our counselors could please come. Prayer counselors, please come forward. And if you need prayer for a, got a physical problem, mental, emotional, whatever, we want you to be prayed for. You have a spiritual need in your life. You don't know Jesus. You'd like somebody to pray for you. Um, we just want you to be prayed for before you go today. We believe that God meets needs. Amen. He has a word for our lives. He wants to speak into our lives. It's very important. But I want you just to be aware this morning that God is on your side. He cares about what you're going through. He really does. And if we're willing and obedient, we'll eat the good of the land. We'll have the best. That's what God wants for our lives. Amen. We also have some fellowship there in the back, uh, some refreshments. Please join us. God bless you all. You're free to go. If you need prayer, please come forward. And I want you to know that he can give you today a new future. We hope this message has been a blessing to your life. A copy of this message and additional Destiny Church materials are available at destinychurchexit77.org.